If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT at KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips and ideas about making money, saving money, growing money, investing money, spending money. Today, we're going to talk about the longest spending pattern, probably, of your adult life, retirement. This is a good time of year. A lot of people are finishing up what they think is going to be their last year or their last job. The amount of people heading into retirement each and every day in America right now is about 11,000 people. Just think about that. 11,000 Americans every day in America right now are retiring. And while you stew on that, hang with me through the break. Hey there, KT here. As you are trying to figure out what makes sense for people that you love for holidays, consider my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, by Kathleen Thomas, available on Amazon, in a book, a Kindle, or an Audible. This book is a terrific stocking stuffer. It's also great for the young female adults in your life who you want to give financial advice to, and maybe they don't want to hear it from you. The book sells for $19.99, and obviously the Kindle and the Audible are less. Feel free to check it out. Also, thanks for being a fan of the show and a member of the Money Matters community. I'm always looking for ideas about future topics for the show. Feel free to go to ktsmoneymatters.com and share some of that information with me. I'd love to know what you think. With 11,000 people retiring every single day, what I can say to you is some people do it really gracefully and others, eh, not so much. Now, when I first became a financial advisor, it was back in 1993. The average life expectancy was 76 years old at that time. Now, there have been so many changes with healthcare and with quality of life that those same people, so anyone over 50 is now projected to live into their 80s. And for those long livers, Well, they could live into their 90s and maybe even a few centurions. I mean, a long time in retirement. Now, this has changed, you know, these factors and there are others, but these two factors just in of itself, how we think about longevity, and then we think about the retiree lifestyle, they've changed so much in the last 25 years that it's really changed the way people need to approach retirement and how they think about how they're going to live throughout their retirement. Now, there are a lot of factors that contribute to what I think about as a happy retirement. There is overall health. I would argue that if I asked most retirees, health is the number one thing that they want in retirement to be healthy. The lack of debt. Number three is sustainable income. Number four is like hobbies or entertainment, things that they're involved in. And five is not being alone, social contacts. Now, here's what I got to say to you. 
I really am not sure how much I can do about your social contacts or your hobbies, but I thought we'd talk about number two and number three, how you manage your debt and then sustainable income and retirement. Because frankly, if you can't pay your bills, it kind of leads to like an unhappy retirement. In fact, in 2016, there was a survey on a secure retirement from the Survey Center of Secure Retirement that said three out of 10 retirees spend an average of 40% or more of their income on debt. Now, most of these guys own a mortgage. In fact, 25% of people coming into retirement now have a mortgage that will last 20 years or longer. So I'll put that into perspective. When I first became a financial advisor, most people's number one job was to pay off their mortgage so that they could retire debt-free. But then the 90s came along and all of a sudden stocks were great and people thought they could get so much more money if they invested it all. In fact, there was a lot of, you know, kind of reckless financial advice being thrown out there where people borrowed money from their house and then put it in stocks. And then, you know, everybody was really happy for a really long time. And then like every other party, it ended badly with the dot-com thing in 2000 and 2001 and 2002. And then all of a sudden, what they realized is they should have paid off their mortgage. And, and every time the market kind of gets ahead of itself and the return seems so amazing that people fail to manage the debt side, they get to retirement and have more debt than they thought they should or than they ever thought they would carry in retirement. So 40% of your retirement income, a lot of money to apply towards debt. But let's talk about what makes up retirement income because that's kind of the other side of this equation that's really affected the way people enjoy their quality of life in retirement. So the other thing that's drastically changed for retirees since I got my securities license back in 1993 is the number of people who have a pension. So in the early 90s, that number was like almost 40% of Americans had some sort of pension. So they had Social Security, and then they had some sort of pension on top of that. Today, that number is down to about 13%. So this is where that consistent income in retirement, which is part of one of those things. Remember, we talked about health. We talked about low debt. But one of the other things is income in retirement, sustainable income to go a really, really, really long time because now we know we potentially could live for decades in retirement. So if we don't have our own sustainable income, like we don't have a pension, what might we do instead to make sure that we have all the income that we need? Well, there may be four things we could do that could help us increase our income. The first one is we could take a look at our nest egg and structure that nest egg to provide more dividend and interest income versus you know, looking for long shot growth with low dividend income, then we could live off the dividends. Now, this is something investors used to do all the time. I remember this was a regular plan when I was, well, let's just say fresher in the industry because stocks paid real dividends and investors could buy good stocks that paid dividends and get that dividend income and use it to supplement their retirement income. But then the tax law changed, making a preference for capital gains over dividend income. And this happened, you know, early in the 90s. And so people started shooting for more capital gain income, which is a tax preference item, but you got to buy growing stocks. And that also means that often growing stocks tend to be a little bit more risky because they're betting a little bit more on the future growth of the company, say, versus the ongoing income. Then the law changed back. So now there's no real win between capital gain income and dividend income for the most part. It's, you know, 
for all intents and purposes, it's neutral, meaning it doesn't really matter if you got it in a dividend or you got it in appreciation, except the dividends you have to declare every year that you get them and capital appreciation, you only declare when you sell the investment. But people got out of the habit of dividend income and companies got out of the habit of paying dividends. What companies have been doing instead for the last 15 years, really in a momentous way in the last decade, is buying their stock back in the marketplace instead. So instead of pushing the dividend out to the shareholder who can use the dividend for income, they take their extra profits and they buy stock in the open market to what's called treasury stock. And as a result, everybody's stock's worth a little bit more, but it doesn't create the income that investors used to get because it doesn't go out to you. Is it the same? Not really the same. Not the same because A, you don't get the income. And if you're a retiree, income is one of the things that you need. And B, it's not the same because the treasury stock could be sold back into the market at any time. So that bump of the fair market value, because there are less shares out there, could disappear fairly quickly if the company decides it needs to raise capital and start selling its stock back into the marketplace. So it's not quite as certain for you, the investor. Dividends for a retiree should still be part of the plan. So dividend income. The other thing I really like, if you can stand it, is rental property. Now, rental real estate is not for everyone. Huh, definitely not for some. There's a lot of hassle around rental real estate. You got to actually manage it or you have to pay somebody else to manage it. And it's not really a good idea to go buy it in retirement. It's really a good idea to buy this 10 or 15 years before you retire so that you can afford to pay what it costs to run it while you grow equity in that property for later on. So if you own some rental real estate and while you're working, you manage to pay down that mortgage and then ultimately pay it off, then the income stream that comes from that rental real estate could actually go to you as income in retirement. Now that is a win, but it requires multi-year planning. You're not going to just jump right in there and get it done. And if you're looking at it today, you're probably not buying at these prices because prices are pretty high. You want to look for something that's sustainable, that's in a good income growing area, and you want to make sure that you're not paying too much for it. Do you use leverage to buy it? Probably. Most people do. Why? Because it allows them to get a little bit better rate of return. And at the same time, you have to make sure that the property generates enough income to pay the mortgage. And of course, remember this idea is to provide some income from you. So by the time you retire, it's got to be generating positive cash flow. Otherwise, it's just one more thing you have to pay for. It's really not helping you. Now, if we have done dividend income and we've done real estate or we've decided that real estate is not for us, one of the things many people do now is they do direct redemptions from their nest egg. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that every month, in order to get the income that you need, you're selling little bits of your investments to create the cash. Now, of course, you don't want all your money in the stock market. Needless to say, if the stock market falls apart and you need to take money out of every, every month, the math gets bad quickly. So you want to have some money in cash, some money in, some money in fixed income or bonds. So you want you know, some boring money, can't all be shooting at the moon, and then you want some long-term stock money. But you want to think about spending money out of the most conservative side of your portfolio, even though it exceeds its earnings of that particular account, allowing other investments to earn. Or if you can't stand how that all feels financially, 
you could decide to create your own pension. And so you'll see people that'll take a certain amount of money that they have and buy an annuity from an insurance company with it. Now, whether you love annuities or you hate annuities, I hear it all the time. Here's what I'll say. There's nothing I actually really love or hate in the investing world. There's a lot of reasons to be careful when you're looking at annuities because sometimes annuities can be fairly expensive on the inside. But I'm not talking about a deferred annuity with investments and the lifetime guarantee spending income level, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about an old, boring, incredibly boring income annuity where you give them a check and then they give you and your spouse a check for the rest of your lives. Why do that? Well, first is it eliminates the cost of managing those assets over your lifetime. It eliminates the chance that you'll run out of money during your lifetime. Now, it's not good for all your money because inflation happens and you're going to want to have an ability to pay more later on if you live for 20 or 30 years to be able to make up for it. Also, an immediate annuity means that there's no money left over for the kids and the grandkids. So when you're thinking about doing something like this, you should ask yourself, how much guaranteed income do I need? And how much future growth am I willing to give up in order to get that? So if the number one goal is guaranteed income for the rest of your life, then this is an idea. If it's not, and it's really like I've got plenty of income, I don't really need to do this, then you probably don't do it. This is something you do when you want more guaranteed income. And then my last, and frankly, the most popular idea lately is uh, you could work a little. In fact, 19% of all retirees are doing a little something for money. You know, Katie, I've been working my whole life. You're telling me to go back to work? I just retired. However, let me tell you a little bit of why people are making these moves now. Remember how we talked about social activity and social connectedness and hobbies as being part of the long-term plan for a retiree's happiness? Well, this kind of goes back to that idea. So retirement can be long. And frankly, some say it can be lonely and dull. If you're somebody that's been making your way in the professional world your whole life, and now all of a sudden you're retired and all the people that you used to know are, you know, busy working, and you're trying to figure out how to fill your days, and the days are long, especially New England winters, it can get dull fast. Now, some people have the money saved to go do all that great traveling, or they've got the grandbabies and they want to spend all their time with the grandbabies. But frankly, you know, at 60, you can't have your own children physically at 60 for a reason, because you're kind of like tired. So it's not all about the grandbabies and it's not all about the traveling. It can be that for a while. And I'll tell you, a lot of retirees for the first year or two seem to do a lot of that bucket list stuff that they had always wanted to do and always thought they'd do. But then they get like a little restless and they want to feel more engaged. They want to be involved in things. I'm kind of at this place in my life too, where I've been cutting back on my work a little bit. I mean, those of you who know me personally know that I'm making this big transition where I'm, you know, cutting back my work and, you know, going to spend more time with my husband and kind of like ease into kind of a part-time role as I think about moving completely into retirement, which is still a few years away. 
There's a lot of good reasons for that. One is I'm not ready to be fully retired. And a lot of people want more time and they want more control and they want a little bit more happiness, but they're not really ready to get completely out. So part-time employment is kind of a nice way to slide in. However, I'm really good at the thing I do, but it's really the only thing I know how to do. I've been doing it, like I said, since 1993. What else would I go do? So I really want to do the work I'm good at in the environment I'm comfortable with, with the people that I've known forever, just not as much of it. This is a great transition plan for somebody coming into retirement. The ability to work some, but not all the time. To do what you're really good at and what you really still enjoy. Unless, of course, you're one of those people that now either hate your career because it's been forever, or you're in a dying industry and you just can't wait to get out and do something different. But the idea of working a little bit to supplement your income, especially when you're pre-Social Security eligible, so you're an early retiree, or you're deciding to defer Social Security and grow that money by working a little longer but not working full-time, all of those ideas help to provide a little feathering of the income, some additional discretionary cash, an ability for me to do other things that I might be interested in doing. I can still defer Social Security so I could grow that benefit for when I'm a little older. Because if I'm going to live a long time, let's face it, nobody was ever meant to live their life in America on two grand a month or whatever the number is. So if I could get a little bit more out of the government by waiting, that would be good for me. And then it allows me to kind of just figure out the best way to use my space, right? So now I'm not trying to fill in every day, all day. Now I'm really just got a couple of days a week to myself to, oh, I don't know. I did yoga at 630 this morning. It was a blast. I'm like, I know what I'm going to add in retirement. I'm going to add like a little bit of yoga. Now, as you guys know, I'm kind of a sports nut. I love all things physical. So I guess I shouldn't be shocked that I was having fun with this. But when I was working all of the time, my brain was just too busy to be there. I'd be there and I'd be thinking about 10 things going on at the office that I had to get done. And there was no way that I could just relax and settle into it. But all of a sudden, you know, a little less hectic. And suddenly I can find my little Zen happy space in yoga this morning on a Monday morning. You know, usually I'm up to my armpits in it by 630. And there I am doing downward facing dog and deep breathing. It was actually terrific. So maybe more yoga. But nobody's going to pay me for yoga. And if you could have seen me trying to hold those poses, you would know why because I'm actually not good at it. So I was reading a really great article this weekend in Barron's about adjusting to retirement. And they had some tips as well that I thought I would share with you today. Let's say you're not the working type in retirement. You're done with that. I've got plenty of money, KT, and I want to go out and I want to do things that make me feel good. Maybe I want to give some time back, do some things in my community that maybe I never had time for, but I'm just not really sure how, and I want to make sure I don't end up building myself like a whole new job. So there are a couple things to check out. I sit on the board of a nonprofit in New Hampshire for uh, quote appointing special advocates, casa.org of New Hampshire, which I really enjoy because I think it's meaningful work and I don't mind giving them my time and talent to help them move their initiative forward to take care of children at risk in the system in New Hampshire. So a charity might be a really good decision, whether you decide to do a, you know, sit on the board. You know, I have all these executive functioning skills I'd like to use for somebody else if I can, but maybe that's not you. Maybe you want to do volunteer at a school or in some kind of after-school program for kids. It could be anything. 
right? It doesn't have to be, you know, some high profile thing. It could be really anything. So if you're looking for those kinds of ideas, first is to look at seniorcorps.com, which is a site that links older executives with mentoring opportunities for younger executives. It's really meant to like help share your skills with the next generation. Then you could look at things like Encore Fellowships, which are about learning a new trade or education, something different, going to school for something. There are all kinds of different things you could decide to spend a little time and learn about. Some of it is web-based, some of it's community-based, but, you know, learn a new thing or invest in a new idea. You, of course, could join a charity or a nonprofit, as I have done, just kind of, you know, I think I've worked really hard and I've made the majority of the money I'm ever going to make in my lifetime. And now it's about using some of those skills and talents for other organizations that maybe don't have those kind of opportunities that I've had in the past. That's my mix. I feel good about that. So I'm working a little part-time. I'm doing a little work sitting on a charity board. And then, of course, you know, I'm still chatting with you guys and thinking about, you know, writing and speaking and because I'm really not ready to retire. I'm really just not ready to kill myself anymore. And that's a big difference. So as you think about those of you that are thinking about how do you ease yourself out, can't imagine just not having anything to do anymore. This kind of roadmap could be really great. Here's what I would say to you. The first thing you should do is if you think it's time to work less, but you're not sure how to go about it, think about it with your current employer, if you still like them. Remember that they're never going to pay you to do half the work, all the money that you used to make. So go into it with your eyes open that what you're, what you're doing is you're buying time and you're buying less responsibility. And with that will come less compensation. If you go in with that and you know that and you know what you need to do, then you can move from there. It's important not to get caught up in the money and the benefits and how much more money you'll make if you continue to just work at it. Because frankly, you know, that's one of the trends in America that's also kind of scary is people who die in the last two or three years of their job because too much stress for too long. And it's important to think about the balance of the time you spend working in your life and the time you spend not working in your life. Now, if you've got no money for retirement and you have to work, then you have to work. That's the position that you're in. Really, when I say that, I say that for those who have accumulated money. You know, I always say to people, sometimes you're at a place where work is optional, where you have enough money to carry you your whole lifetime and you're still working because you're just not even sure where to start. Then it's probably time to start really thinking about those pieces. So whether you meet with a financial professional or an HR person at work, or you decide to start doing some research on your own to start getting yourself ready to make that transition, frankly, there's nothing waiting for you except your future. For those of you, those 11,000 of you today entering into retirement, congratulations. And for the rest of us, we're waiting for you. I hope you guys find the thing that brings you the joy for the next stage of your life. Till we speak again. If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the get in touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the hardworking woman's guide to money available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. 
Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.